Hello, I'm Jen Long and you are listening to Talk The Line. We upload a new episode every Friday talking to an artist about something that they are passionate about, their secret hobby, the thing they talk about in the pubs to their friends and never tell us journalists until we've switched the microphone off and started walking out the building. It's those little things that really get them fired up. That is what this podcast is about. You can check out all our previous episodes at talktheline.blog, including the likes of Max Richter on Haruki Murakami, Kate Nash on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Stuart Murdoch on The Human Condition. We have covered quite a lot of subjects, quite a broad range of subjects too. You can follow us on social media at Talk The Line. You can follow me at Jen Long. And if you do like this podcast and you listen every now and then, please subscribe. It means it gets downloaded to your listening device every single Friday. Nico Case was raised in working class Washington state and spent her turbulent childhood shuffling between divorced parents before leaving home at 15. By 17, she was playing drums. And at 23, she moved to Vancouver to study art, where she played in local punk bands and began to explore country music. She released her debut album, The Virginian, in 1997, and nine more solo albums have followed, with her latest, Hell On, out this month. It's co-produced by Bjorn Utling from Peter Bjorn and John and includes collaborations with the likes of Beth Ditto, Laura Veers, Katie Lang, Robert Forster and new pornographer's co-founder, Carl Newman. The record was born in a literal fire. Nico Case was in the middle of recording in Stockholm when she got a 3am phone call telling her that her house back in Vermont was burning down and she's likely to lose everything. In this podcast, we are talking about the Amazons, not the indie rock band from Reading. This is a book by Adrienne Mayer called The Lives and Legends of Warrior Women Across the Ancient World. However, we start our conversation talking about raisins. They're delicious and I want them, but they don't want me. They don't want me. What's the difference between a raisin and sultana? Um, Sultanas are dates, aren't they? Are they? Yeah. Then what are dried dates? What are dried dates? Because you can get dried dates as well. I think a sultana is just a sort of date. Mm, I don't know, they're too tiny. I thought it was just a different type of grape or something. Maybe it was like one was like a red grape and the other was like a white grape. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, this is our <laughs> new show. Like, this is the direction we're going. We're all going to quit our jobs and we're going to talk about delicious foods. Um, cool. We're talking about the Amazons. We are. And Not this the is going to be band. basically, okay, when you were in grade school, and you and your friends wanted to see a movie, but it was like rated R, or I don't know if you guys have that system here, but yeah. you weren't allowed to go see it because there was nudity or like murders in it. And so the one kid who gets to see the movie comes to school and tells everybody what the movie is like and what happened. And that's basically probably what I'm gonna sound like when I talk about Amazons. <laughs> Uh, so this is a book, just so we're, like, we're, yes. we're cluing everyone up who, who, who's entering this conversation cold. Yes. This is a book by a lady named Adrienne Mayor, who uh, is originally from South Dakota. And she is a historian, but she isn't trained as a historian. She's just a really great autodidact who uh, trained herself and... She came into. Uh, but she's a scholar, right? She she's works, a scholar. Yes, yeah, she she works at um, Stanford. 
Mm. Um, but she doesn't have a degree in history. She's not, she's self-taught. And, yeah. you know, when she, I actually interviewed her a while ago. And did I you? asked her, I was like, okay, so how long did it take you to learn Greek and, and Latin? And she's like, I don't know Greek or Latin. And I was like, wait a minute. What the fuck? How did you manage to do all of this deciphering and, you know, all of this legwork to figure mm-hmm. out what these things meant? She's like, well, I found the right people. And I came in with the outside ideas that weren't, you know, made inside academia. So I wasn't using the academic formula to figure out how to ask the right question. She's like, I just had questions. She said, I was looking where their things seem to be missing. Mm. It's like, okay, no women in history. This seems pretty weird. Also, you know, Amazons. What's the deal with Amazons? What, what? How come they're supposedly uh, mythical? Right, so maybe let's start there. The the book's called The Amazons, and it's about brave and... It's about... um, Strong women in history. Female warrior cultures from across Asia, India, and Africa. Okay. And uh, she had written a book previous to that about... She had a theory that um, a lot of mythological creatures were probably based on what people in the ancient world thought were real because they would find dinosaur bones. Right. Uh, for example, a cyclops skull could have been a, I think it was the stegosaurus. I don't remember what the exact thing was, like I said. Yeah. It was a dinosaur. So there's me as like the kid in like fifth grade going, I don't know what dinosaur was, it was a dinosaur? And she knew it was a dinosaur <laughs> and then so anyway, so like sometimes when sailors think they've seen monsters, it's just whale penises. Exactly. Okay, yeah. whale, this it's totally the yeah. whale penis theory in effect. And <laughs> she started doing a lot of research, and it turns out she was right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she was very, she was obsessed with uh, griffins and um, you know the the creatures with the beaks and the. Kind of like, like the, is it a symbol of Gryffindor or am I, <laughs> I'm going Harry Potter on you. Don't Basically, <laughs> I think I know, I think I know do, what you we mean. We could do a whole other podcast about how people talk about Harry Potter and Game of Thrones like they were actual periods in history. Like, <laughs> I, I swear to God, more than once I've heard people say like, well, back in Game of Thrones times, they would have, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, seriously, how many times have you heard people say that? Yeah, quite often. Back yeah. in Game of Thrones times. They wouldn't have had a laser. I don't know, whatever, but like they wouldn't have had fucking dragons either. But <laughs> and it's totally fake. But um, I totally lost my thread. Sorry, there. but are there are there instances in popular culture for people listening who can't quite get a handle on what we're talking about where you might see these women depicted? Yes, Greek pottery was one place that they saw Amazons depicted constantly, and they thought they were this mythological thing that um, Greeks had invented kind of like comic book heroes Mm. or, you know, these other characters kind of in the pantheon of their gods and heroes and, you know, things related to, say, a Medusa or the Fates or, you know, just another bunch of characters. And she started um, researching them and she was looking at a lot of Greek pottery and she noticed that there was often writing next to the Amazons, and she would ask the scholars, well, what does it say? And they would say, it's Greek, it's just gibberish, it doesn't actually make a word. And she started- they not say it's all Greek to me? Oh, 
dad. That's like, oh my God, you're almost like a granddad with that joke. That was amazing. That's exactly what they said. No. And she said, well, is it possible that it's a language that isn't written or was written and is dead now, but is it, could it have been phonetic? Mm. Turns out every single inscription that they thought was gibberish, gibberish was a phonetic spelling in Greek of a name, either in like old uh, Parthian, Scythian, Sarmatian, all kinds of languages. And every single one translated into a name that was a warrior's name and would often reference the woman herself, like woman who leads the horses or she who loves arrows or, and it's just something that people were so deep inside, you know, ancient Greeks, uh, academia, like they couldn't make the question because they weren't, they couldn't see the whole picture. Right. Yeah. And so somebody coming from the outside, it's like the story of, you know, the, the truck getting stuck underneath the Holland Tunnel and they couldn't get it out and they couldn't figure out how to get the Holland or the truck out of the Holland Tunnel. And a little kid walks up and says, why don't you deflate the tires? And then they got the truck out of the Holland Tunnel. It's kind of like that. Right. Um, so she started doing all this research and, and found that not only was that happening, but at the same time they were able to start doing DNA testing on skeletons. And they found out that about 30% of horse warrior cultures were made up of women. And this is something they never realized. They thought that all the people in these grave mounds and kurgans were men. Yeah. And it turns out that, that 30, about 30% 30 of them were women. And Amazons didn't mean man-hater. Nobody ever cut their boobs off. None of that was true. Was that a myth that people cut yeah. their boobs off? Yeah, that, that they were so hardcore that they'd cut one of their breasts off, which never happened. I mean, why would you do that? Well, that, thank you. Why yeah. would the fucking do that? That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> a no. man came up with that theory. It's like, it's just not hard to shoot an arrow with your boob in the way. It's not that big of a deal. Right. Um, if you can ride a fucking horse, you can, like, that's way harder than shooting an arrow. You can ride a horse with two balls, then you can shoot an arrow with God two breasts. Goddamn right. And they, they invented pants, for one thing. Trousers, did sorry. They actually, yes, they actually oh, did. Okay, well, yeah. And the Greeks found them vile because they didn't wear the Greek style underpants skirt thing that they had going on. The diaper skirt, I always think of it as. Um, and they were considered vile for doing that. They just thought it was so gross. Plus, you know, the Greeks, their women and children lived like slaves. Like they weren't allowed to do anything without um, male permission or chat. They weren't really allowed to leave the house or do stuff. But I suppose that's people's, people's idea of, of ye oldie time of Game of Thrones, you know, where, where women were very submissive and were told what to do and were kind of kept in line. That's what keeps me going on the show, is because they totally aren't like that. And then wow. they're just evil, nasty bitches half the time too. It's like, well, of course, they have just the same avarice and greed as men do. You know, they can choose to be good or not be good or but whatever. I think when I was, I mean, obviously I haven't read the book because uh, I'm terrible at doing research and also only found out about this podcast at the, the start of the weekend. But um, maybe as, as long as we can get people excited about it. Yeah. But simply some, some because the, they're like, that Nico lady is so stupid about what she's talking about. I have to <laughs> see what she's actually talking about by reading this book. 
I gotta say, Adrienne makes it really easy to understand, and it's fine. We've done, we have done podcasts on like kind of historic historical texts before, and this is generally the way that the conversation. You should goes seriously right. call her up and get her to collect, correct everything I say. She'll be like, oh. she can do it on Twitter after she's she's really offended. Um, but no, the, the, one of the, the reviews said that it was about there were they were there was a equality between the men and the women in terms of strength and prowess. Yes. And I just, part of me is like, but if it was, but obviously the physicality between men and women is... It's the horse that is the equalizer. Right. Because the intelligence was always there. Yeah. The craftiness was always there. The shooting ability was always there. It's the horse that makes you strong enough. Oh, so they were all on horseback. Mm-hmm. Oh. And not, not everyone. Like she talks about um, the Dahomey warrior culture in Africa. And I think they were like on foot, but they were legions of female warriors. Um, which is another like really interesting offshoot. Like there's something from every part of the world that has been not understood and actively buried by a lot of more ancient cultures because, you know, they're heavily patriarchal. Mm. And so learning, like I want every woman and man to read this book just because I always knew those people were there in in my deep core. I just mm. knew like, no, we weren't just fucking passengers and slaves and baby havers. There's no fucking way that we were just like side saddling along. There's no way. So right, yeah. like learning like that equality. these people, oh, yeah, like who wouldn't want to protect their family and their tribe and everything else? And who mm. who wouldn't love their people enough to ride out and go after them? So like, were these tribes, they, they were comprised of men and women? Exactly. So and it was that kind of equality? Yeah. And so I think a lot of the Greek was translated incorrectly from being, like, I think at one point they thought Amazon was some sort of ancient Greek for man-hater. Right. But it turns out it was more uh, lives equally with men. Or that's not the right translation, but Adrienne has the right translation <laughs> in her book. <laughs> Which is really fascinating, and I don't know, there are so many really great things and in the book that are very empowering <clears throat> to read, and just, it's a piece of the puzzle that has always been filled in by us, and we always know it. It's just such a fucking gaslight. Like, well, I remember, I mean, I took art history for a really long time, for example. I took it for like 10 years, <clears throat> and I think women made up about 1% of the curriculum. Mm -mm. And now you just go, no, no, that was, it was just taken away from them or other people took credit for it. Yeah. Or, you know, other kinds of arts just aren't valued. Mm. And I mean, art is a, a shitty thing as a, the art world, quote yeah. unquote. It's just a shitty exclusive thing anyway. It's quite like, subjective. Yeah, and we yeah. shouldn't pay attention to that. Like, you know, how, there's almost like this weird white jealousy that happens, like outsider artists, the whole concept of outsider artists. It always seems like they had to make an, a separate category because people just couldn't take that these artists were as moving and powerful and hadn't been trained, mm -hmm. supposedly. It, it's just this creepy, I don't know, I think the art world is disgusting, so I, I don't, I'm like, ugh. But then, do you think that applies to the kind of scholarly world as well? And Absolutely. that's why these things haven't been uncovered until Absolutely. recently, because there weren't people 
who were kind of decreeing what should be studied. Exactly. But it, well, there was no equality there. Yeah, and you know, sometimes it just happened accidentally. Like I was saying, like a scholar trained to be a scholar in those ways, mm. to ask questions in a certain way, of course sometimes you get blindsided, or not blindsided, but you get in a groove and it's, it, you know, when you have a method, it's hard to leave that method mm. if, you've, if that method's been working for you for a really long time. And like, also the there are so many them. things I don't realize all the time within my own profession. Yeah. And then somebody will point it out and I'll be like, holy fucking shit. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. Or, or I think... Does she touch on this in the book? Does she say like, well, yes. the majority of the professors that have trained all these pupils have been male for, for so long that only now are there women coming through that are of the same... Yeah, and a lot regard? of the women's work are... There's a lot of Russian archaeologists who are women who are doing a lot of studies out, you know, on the, on the flats and mm. stuff like finding these Kurgan mounds in the middle of nowhere and, you know, all these places that were like roots between like the Xiongnu tribe of China and Mongolia who would come in and they, you know, influenced the Huns who were through, like, it's just such a huge swath of land. And so it was always just, they kind of just assumed that these tribes were all male before. Yep. And now recent, and maybe they also assumed that the women just did the baby carrying and food making oh god just wearing the skins and like poking the fire and doing the baby carrying yeah right, okay and now they're like oh shit actually they like yeah fucking and the same people. with viking warriors too right. it's like oh they weren't all men right right in so fact i think like a much larger percentage of the world populations were way more egalitarian mm. it's just that when in western culture we kind of base everything on Greek and Roman. And the Greeks, at some point in their culture, decided that women were not going to be powerful and they needed to be, you know, servants, mm. essentially. And there's a book called uh, The Chalice and the Blade by Rhianne Eisler where she talks about the demotion of Athena from being in the pantheon of gods to just being a mere mortal. And she cites this as one of the big cruxes in Western history where things start turning in the favor of the patriarchy and rights start being taken away mm. from the women. And a similar thing happened in Egypt as well, where there used to be a balance of the sacred feminine and the sac sacred masculine. And they were actually a matriarchal society way in the pre-dynastic and then when the cults of Amun started coming in, which are around the times of like Ramses, etc., mm. these priests were pretty, pretty crooked. Right. And that's why in the Armana period of art in Egypt, things were happening that were really interesting and different. And there were a lot more women in that particular scene. Mm. And, you know, there were Egyptian pharaohs who were women who were buried in history like Hatshepsut was buried. And it's like this weird descent right. that starts happening where the balance is completely thrown off. And, you know, one of the great high civilizations of Western culture was in um, uh, Crete, in Gnosis. The Minoan culture was uh, totally men and women. And it was one of the last holdouts of places where 
people lived a lot more equally. So around what date was that? I don't remember. Right. But it would be pre pre the downfall of Athena and the eyes of the Greek people. Okay. But don't quote me on that. I don't even know what a ballpark number for that is. 800 Well, it was all, it's all BC. <laughs> it's all, all BC. way BC. Oh, oh wow, yeah. so we're talking like a long... A long fucking a time long ago. Fucking time ago. Mm-hmm. And it's wow. been pretty shit ever since. Okay. <laughs> but, but you know... But you think of those like, you know, like Egyptian murals and stuff that they find. Is yes. it just that the, the, the women weren't in them in these sort of powerful kind of modes or is it that the no women are in there as goddesses and etc but like i think hatshepsut her son or stepson i can't remember mm. he became pharaoh after her and hated her for some reason and chipped off all of her monuments and tried to like totally destroy her legacy by erasing her from history and the same thing with the armana period um with King Akhenaten and Nefertiti, you know, it's like the most famous image in Egyptian art, probably besides Tutankhamun, who was their kid. Mm. And there, there's a whole fascinating history behind that too, but I don't know, a lot of scholars say we're not looking at history correctly and that's why we can't figure out what the fuck happened because we're looking at it from a completely patriarchal place where we just don't even, imagine that women were rulers or influencers or makers or there as anything other than like these baby child fuck toys i don't know what and that's what i say when i'm does it hint on does does the book talk about religion at all in the adrienne moyar book yeah yeah um yeah she talks a lot about that kind of stuff like Mm -hmm. what uh people did because we're talking like like bc when it was more sort of pagan i suppose yeah and more more mytho- mythological mythological yeah i think the, the, i think people worship nature a lot and they yeah. definitely uh were very reverent to the natural world mm. horses i don't know if they worshiped horses or not but they definitely used them for every single thing milk meat because transportation it was their great yeah. Equalizer. When you think of like the the kind of bigger religions, there's kind of like one one god sort of religions, and that maybe their introduction they all seem like very patriarchal. You know, like like Christianity and thinking about the Bible and the representation of women in the Bible, it does actually feel like it's. It's, it's a real fucking bummer. Yeah, <laughs> it's a real fucking. I just wonder cheap. whether she mentioned it. Does it talk about anything like the around that time? Maybe there was a shift. I don't. In society. I think it's also pre-Christian, uh, pre-Islam. Yeah. Um, and Judaism. Uh, Judea- Judaism is really old, so there right. might be a little bit in there, because there's definitely, in that part of the world, there was definitely horse warrior cultures that had women in that area as well. Yeah. How does the book, is it, is it a kind of chronological, or does it go via areas? I think it kind of goes topic, like, okay, here are some stories of mythologies, here now we're going to go like area and then chronology. Wow. So what's the most fascinating part of the book? What's the thing that really like made you go, oh shit, wow. I had no, I was not expecting that. Oh, All I, the inventions they are, you know, attrib- like attributed to these women, like um, 
pants. That's a basic one, but my favorite. <laughs> I fucking, I, if there was a God, I would thank them for pants every fucking day. Um, it's kind of funny as well how we're always like, oh, who wears the trousers? And it's like, us, because we fucking invented them. That's right. <laughs> um, the use of marijuana as a medicinal uh, plant, um, certain kinds of metallurgy to make uh, swords and arrows, etc., axes tougher. Um, the martial arts of Asia. Mm. Um, all kinds of stuff. Really big things. Right. That you're like, really? And it and how does makes she you feel how so does she fucking find, good. If this happened, what, I mean, it's 2018 now. So you're talking over 2,000 years ago. Well, luckily, in Asia, the Chinese documented the shit out of stuff. Really? And so that is really inspiring. And there's a lot of... I don't know exactly. I don't remember how. I think I was so high on the information. Like... I definitely need to go back and read it a few more times. Mm. She also wrote a book about um, King Mithridates, who was this uh, king from Pontus who just bothered the fuck out of Rome for a long time and did some pretty amazing things. So I'm, I'm rereading that book right now. But she's two books she's done. Or she's written a bunch. Really? But the Amazons and the book about King Mithridates, which actually does tie in okay. with the Amazons. Is this area, does this area of history really fascinate you then? Yeah, like definitely, you, you know. You're, you're throwing like out East, a lot of names that I've never heard before Well, it's because they don't exist anymore. And <laughs> I, like, I have a really hard time, like, teaching myself the geography of things east of Greece, up into the Ukrainian steppes, the Black Sea, into the Balkans, down into Syria. Westeros. Westeros, thank you. <laughs> the Narrow Sea, like I don't know what's on, I forget what's on the other side of the Narrow Sea. <laughs> like what year did they found Hogwarts? I don't remember, <laughs> you know? I just don't remember. <laughs> no, sorry, I'm just joking. It's just like, it's a lot to take in when you're like- It is a lot to take like, in oh, and okay, I'm getting so it backwards, like, a lot of it. Warrior women and you're like, oh my God, it was so long ago. And then there were all these different tribes. And it was no big deal. It was no big deal. We just got to take it for granted. Yeah. It's so cool. It's really cool. And what does it go into like, sort of how the, the family setup was and like how they yeah. shared the, the, the duties of like not, not yep. just fighting, like day-to-day -day kind of who does yep. the housework. Absolutely. And their relationships with men, their relationships with women and yeah. how it wasn't like a mad, bloodthirsty lesbian society from the Isle <laughs> of Lesbos that would eat men chill like they would talk about <laughs> like there was a myth that the Greeks had about how they would kill all the male children Wow! and there's absolutely no who the fuck would do that you know what I mean well like, I mean no. flip it and you have an answer yeah never mind Unfortunately. you're right yeah and that's you know that's what not even not that long ago probably still happens actually oh yes yeah. yes you're right. But what, how did, how, what was their kind of family setup like? How did they kind of share out duties? Like, what, well, how, think, how egalitarian I think it was, it? it was, I don't know, like, you're, you're a semi-nomadic people mm. or a fully nomadic people. You got to take care of each other. Like, I, I can't really... It doesn't... If you have a horse... Mm. 
you don't have to be as strong as a man to fight a man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you are an, an expert shot, and you know, especially if you've come along in a period of time where the Scythian bow, the recurve bow, has been invented, like the physics of the recurve bow make you make it possible to shoot like two thirds farther. Like you're just basically this killing machine. So is it most of the focus of the book's mostly on the actual fighting and, and these women as warriors? There's a lot about the fighting, a lot okay. about the warriorship. Yeah. There's, you know, some talk of some regiments who are just women and just men who were part of the same tribes who would, why they did that, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, probably psychological in some ways, mm -hmm. or maybe they figured the ladies would better, I don't know. But uh, they didn't want to just suddenly start having sex in the middle of a battle, so they better just separate them. Because <laughs> obviously we, none of us can control ourselves, especially on horseback. It's very sexy <laughs> up there. Um, yeah. And Does it talk about sex a lot in the book? Yeah. And what was what were the kind of like um, what, what like the kind of prejudices or the was it any you know? I, I think don't know, what, what's the word? I'm I don't think there for? was any like social mores or prejudices. Yeah. It was like you know your own moral compass. You do what seems right. If like people would get together and part mm. if it didn't work out, or sometimes people would live in groups and go meet up with certain groups that had, I don't know, the opposite sex in there or the same sex, depending on were how, they, were they how you were feeling. Were they open and fine with that? Yep. What a world. Right? Yeah. I mean, the whole looting and killing from other civilizations <laughs> isn't very cool. <laughs> but I get, it's kind of one no, of those things at the time, like we don't like that, but they would have been like, why would the women just sit around and hold babies and like poke the cooking fire? Mm. Why the fuck would they do that? You know, it's, they wouldn't do that. And does it talk about like their training and what, I mean, what would the, any yeah. more kind of, they, they, like we need to get people. I'm so excited about the details of everybody. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm just, oh God, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I can barely tell you. I can barely <laughs> tell you about it because I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> Just like how you'd probably ride from the time that you were four. People would tie children onto horses and they'd learn how to ride that way. Like just learn the body movements of a horse. Mm. And you know, if you start riding at that young of an age, your bones actually form differently. That's why you see like the cowboy walk where yeah, yeah. people's bow-legged, you know, that's a thing that can happen if you ride horses for most of your life. Like your, your bones just turn outward. Wow. Um, and they would have a very, a very heightened sense of the natural world around them because they would live in it. Their mm -hmm. instincts would be a lot sharper. Um, they would be taught to hunt and shoot a bow from very young or, you know, people chose whatever weapon really worked best for them. Some people, you know, would use a, an ax. Some people would use a, a sword and some people didn't fight at all. You know, it's like, if they didn't feel they were right for the job, they'd be doing a different job. Mm. You know what I mean? Like some yeah. people eat meat, but they weren't meant to be a butcher. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't make sense. If, if it was, people were not drafted, but I think everyone was taught to fight. Should it come to that? Mm. And then, you know, different societies did things differently. And what happens if you've got a group of, um, of these female warriors on horseback and they come across a group of, 
male warriors on horseback? Does it go into those sorts of deep? Because I mean, yeah. then surely the they men were like, have... why don't we go do that together? Why the fuck do we want to stay here and fight each other when we could just go do some cool stuff over there? Oh, but even if they're from a different tribe? Mm-hmm. Because they would only fight women? No. Okay, I'm confused. Oh, no, no. Sorry. Oh, no, I meant like, you know, you, you could meet up with people and... Yeah, but if, I mean, oh, oh. Like oh, so you're physi- asking... Physically, men are stronger than women. That's just... Unless yeah. they're on horseback. But what if the men are also on horseback? Then you're going to be fighting with um, swords and arrows, and who's a better shot Right. at okay. that point? It's about riding and shooting, which there's no difference oh, wow. between men and women in riding and shooting. Okay. So it was properly equal. Mm-hmm. And how long does the, the, does the chronolo- chronology kind of go from? Is it like over the course of how many hundreds of years? It, what, Probably a couple of, thousand. Really? Mm-hmm. A couple of thousand of years. And then, I mean, there are still... I'm just wondering what, whether... Because, I mean, that culture is no longer egalitarian, right? It's, it's, no, it's very but there are still cultures of people that are horse cultures that hunt with arrows and hunt with eagles as well. There's a, there's a movie that came out a couple years ago called Eagle Hunter um, about a young girl who traditionally does the traditional hunting, riding her horse and has her eagle go after things. And a lot of people were really bummed out because they kind of presented the movie like it goes against all odds she's the first female eagle hunter in this sexist culture and it's like no there's been female eagle eagle hunters for thousands of fucking years like what are you fucking talking about like it doesn't have to be like some breakthrough story like it's already fucking interesting enough it doesn't have to be an overcoming the gender gap when She's just already fucking awesome, yeah. you know? So. Right, okay. So, but I just wonder what, what the shift was that kind of made, meant that, the, that kind of what was originally equal suddenly became so kind of male-dominated. Does it go into any details? Did the tribes just die out? Did Western culture take over certain areas? Or well, I think some places, or? you know, are was still remote thing? enough and still rely on their horses even now mm. in Asia. And I don't know, the modern world couldn't be bothered to give a shit or just thought it was cute and hokey. I don't know. In, in Western culture, we made sure of that. Like, mm. But, you know... I think in Native American societies, it wasn't like that. Mm. I think women rode horses and, I mean, Native American women will tell you this. And there are warrior cultures still. Mm. And it's a fucking awesome thing, but I don't know if, if white people didn't discover it and it's not quaint somehow, then it doesn't exist. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's still strands of this alive today. Yeah, on there the, are. For the most part, and what, what do you, what does it does it detail kind of how this sort of way of life faded? Is it just that people became more like modernity struck, or it's like? Well, I'm sure the industrial revolution has everything to do with it. Um, right. Okay. Christianity was a real fucking takeout at the knee. So it was. Do you think there was a little bit of like the, the kind of introduction? Christianity, of Judaism, yeah. Islam, 
real fucking lady killers, all three of those. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what no, I kind you. of meant earlier. Yeah, do you think yeah. that, because when you said it was kind of BC, I just wondered whether that sort of, uh, that period where religion maybe became more formal or formalized or written down in books or... Well, there, I'm not, there's I'm not definitely great knowledge on this area, by the way. Probably, I think when, when those religions got big enough to really start monetizing everything and really mm. controlling, like, yeah. you know, the, the turn of the priests of Amun in the Egyptian religion. Um, I remember seeing a lecture by a lady who's a, a Egyptologist and she's like, she, she went into it really deeply and she, she pointed out this right here is where Egypt was lost, right here. Right to the point where these uh, Amun priests were doing things like they didn't believe in the afterlife anymore and they would just do really cynical things like shoving all the mummies in one hole and getting people to pay to make sure that these priests got them into the afterlife. They would start taking money wow. for it instead of the people having to do to live a righteous life yeah. and to try to think of other people, mm. it, it was monetized. Yeah. And every religion has done that. Mm. And, and, you know, women are fucking annoying. We need to be cleaning stuff. And for you yourself, where did your fascination with this begin? I was having a really hard time. Um, I had a stalker and I had to do some really, really humiliating things. I had to spend my life savings dealing with this person. And he was just some fucking white dude who's obviously mentally ill. But my own, like, it's one thing to say that your country doesn't give a shit about you. And you know it. And you kind of say it like you want to say it before you realize it because it's so much worse if you, if you can say it first before it happens. It's almost like making fun of yourself before somebody else can do it. It's like realizing your own sort of worthlessness in the eyes of your country. And then you go and you fucking pay the judge and have them do fucking humiliating shit to you. And I became really, so angry, like I couldn't sleep. Mm. I was so hyper vigilant, and like the PTSD of the whole thing, like, you know, I would, I would sometimes hallucinate things and be really angry. And one day I was like, I have to find out when in the history of the world we started hating women and when we decided that women needed to be a lesser species mm. than men. And I just started doing a lot of research. And I read The Chalice and the Blade by Rhianne Eisler, which was really helpful. But Adrienne's book actually was really uplifting. And I felt so much hope. And I was like, oh my god, all these young people, men, women, genderless people, are going to go forth. And they're going to find the history that has been chopped up and thrown away all these years because it can be done. Like the only reason we know about the Armana period in Egypt, for example, is because the person who broke all of the tablets and chipped off all the monuments used those chips to fill 
like other walls that they made palaces and temples out of. And archaeologists came along and like found these pieces and put them all back together again. It's like, I hope that like there's a whole new wave of archaeologists and historians and writers who go back and find everybody's history, mm. even if it's not complete. Like it's such a big deal. And do you think that what, what is happening in, in archaeology and this sort of history with another wave or like a new wave of female professors and historians coming through, like professionals, yes. people, scholars, people who have studied and who mm -hmm. are coming at it with these fresh eyes, with these female eyes, do you think that will apply across maybe other areas of I think it's of absolutely happening. And technology and yes. like medicine, mm -hmm. I think it's absolutely happening. It's just starting to take off and I'm excited because it's like, it's not just like women for women, it's women for men and men for women. Yeah. And like, I think about all of like the lesbian, gay, queer, trans culture that has been buried. Yeah. Like in places where people were fucking revered, mm -hmm. you know, think about getting all that back. And like, it's like there's this weird puzzle piece inside your self-esteem that just fuses back together. And it just makes this complete machine. And you just feel this, this validation. And like, it takes some of the grease of the fucking gaslighting off. Mm. And it's really powerful. Now I'm crying. Now I'm crying on the podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay, I'm American. I, I'll cry in front of everyone, anyone. I anytime. thought that was a beautiful place to end. <laughs> no, I'm crying. You gotta read Adrienne's book because now I'm crying. A big thanks to Nico for that moving conversation. If you want to listen to more Talk the Lines with strong and brilliant women, check out our episodes with Amanda Palmer, Nadine Shah. Anne-Marie and Tracy Thorne at talktheline.blog. Next week, I am talking to We Are Scientists on Lee Child's Jack Reacher books. You have been listening to Talk The Line. I'm Jen Long. This is a podcast from the line of best fits produced by Paul Bridgewater with original music by Seams. If you like this podcast, please do subscribe to it. Follow us online. Or if you're feeling very generous, leave us a nice review. See you next week.